Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And while the message tonight is not necessarily directly connected to last week's uh, message, we are dealing with the same epistle. We are dealing with, with a letter Paul wrote to the same people in the same, um, with the same train of thought. We're dealing with the same problems. And so if we go back to last week and just think about how the Corinthians were carnal people and they were struggling with thinking too much of themselves or thinking too much of men or putting down other men and lifting up others because of their worldly wisdom. Those are the same people that we're dealing with in this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And they had been thinking that they were special. They, some of them had even been going to the temples and partaking in idol sacrifices. And there was a lot going on. Let's go ahead and let's begin reading in verse number 1 of chapter number 10. Let's see what Paul has to say. He writes, Moreover, brethren, I would, not have you to be, I would not have you be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ." But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they all also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they were written for our admonition unto whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore? Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from my idolatry. Let's play. Pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word, Lord. I just pray that it would be free to speak and that we would understand it, Lord, and that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One man said, if history repeats itself and the unexpected always happens, how incapable must man be of learning from experience? We think about that. That's... A pr- that's a true statement. If, if history repeats itself and unexpected things always happen, how incapable man must be of learning from experience. Albert Einstein said, insanity, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Okay, how many people do we know 
How many of us know people who have repeated history? Okay, there's the guy. He says, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to eat all the ice cream I want, and I don't care what history says. I can eat all the ice cream I want, and I am not going to become overweight. Is that, gonna, is that really true? No. If the history shows us and science shows us, if you overindulge in certain types of food, it is going to be bad for your body and you're going to produce excess weight. Okay. But on a more serious note, how many people said they would never get addicted to drugs? I'm just, I'm messing, I'll never get addicted to it. History won't repeat itself with me. I'll never get addicted. We're just having fun right now. We'll never be immoral. We're just, we're just, you know, history's not going to repeat itself with me. I'm above that. I can handle driving that fast. I'm a better driver than those other people. Don't worry about me. History is not going to repeat itself with me. I'm just a better driver than those other people. They didn't know how to drive. I can drive as fast as I want and nothing's ever going to happen to me. I won't get caught. How many have heard that? How many have said that before? Guilty here. But I'm different. This music, movies, entertainment, friends, they won't affect me like other people. But how often has people who said that been the very statistics that history has repeated itself? Would you agree with me on that? Can I get some heads going up and down? I know it's Sunday night. Okay. History does repeat itself. And if the one guy said, if unexpected things always happen, it must mean we are not learning from experience. The Corinth- now we go back to this passage, and the Corinthian believers were smug. They were very proud in their new Christianity. They could not make the same mistakes the children of Israel did. In fact, some were so bold, as, as I said earlier, to partake in the very sacrifices at these pagan temples. Paul... In the chapter just before, in the verses just prior, verse 27 said, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He was afraid that, Paul, Paul was afraid that he himself might make shipwreck. But these Corinthian believers were so confident in their ability to withstand temptation or so confident in their ability that they were like, you know, we can do what we want and we're not going to fall. We can do what we want. History is not going to repeat itself with me. So Paul is writing and in verse number one, he starts out, Moreover, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Is Paul wanted to remind the Corinthian believers that the entire nation of the children of Israel had all experienced the same blessings and the same spiritual provision and workings of God in their lives. We, if we look through these, these first couple of verses, the word all is used five times. Paul is saying, let's just, let's just go through it. All were under the cloud of God's presence and protection. That all our fathers were under the cloud. When God brought the children of Israel up out of Egypt, there was a cloud that God appeared himself. We know the story. We've gone through Sunday school. Most of you have been through Sunday school. There was a cloud there, and it led the children of Israel out of Egypt. When Pharaoh's armies were coming after them, the cloud went from the front to the back and stood in between Pharaoh's armies all night and through the Red Sea so that the 
Pharaoh's armies could not get to the children of Israel. It provided the protection that they needed as God was leading them out of Egypt. And then through the entire time while they were in the desert, the cloud that symbolized the presence of God, the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, was with the children of Israel, was with the entire nation of the children of Israel. It wasn't like the cloud was there for some of them and wasn't there for the rest of them. Paul was making the case. He's like, I need to remind you, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. You need to be reminded of this, that all the children of Israel were there under the protection and guidance of God. Including the mixed multitude, all experienced this. The second thing we see is all of them miraculously passed through the Red Sea. And all passed through the sea. We see it right there in the text. When God parted the Red Sea, all of them, every one of the children of Israel, saw the miracle. It wasn't that some of them didn't. Some of them um, flew across the Red Sea. Or some of them just blacked out and they were carried across the Red Sea. No, what, what Moses, or excuse me, what Paul is writing to the Corinthian believers is Every one of the children of Israel, the entire nation, they were all under the protection and guidance of God. Every one of them saw the miracle of the Red Sea as they walked through the Red Sea. And they saw Pharaoh's army after them, coming to them. And they saw the Red Sea close up on, on Pharaoh's army and completely destroy their enemies. And they, they were there when Moses wrote the song of deliverance. And they were with Moses and they sang that song of deliverance. And they were praising God. And all of them saw this. All were baptized unto Moses. Now, there's a lot of debate about what this means. We're just simply going to say they were all baptized unto Moses. Okay? But they were all part of the covenant of Mount Sinai. They were all part of God's chosen and peculiar people. They were all, they went through the same exact things. They were all separated unto Moses. This Some people want to say, you know, this is a church in the wilderness and not. But that is not it at all. God There's a church today. There was a nation of Israel back then. And while Paul uses the same terminology, it's not speaking about a church in the nation of of Israel. They were a nation. They were all taken and separated from the land of Egypt to Moses, to God in the wilderness. They were all taken out of Egypt. None of them still had Egypt strapped on their back and Pharaoh leaning over their shoulder telling them what to do. Pharaoh died in the Red Sea. They were all separated from Egypt. Every one of the nation of Israel, including the mixed multitude, were separated from Egypt into the wilderness to meet with God. And all experienced, all of them experienced that, and all of them experienced the same spiritual and physical provisions in the wilderness. The manna came every morning for them in the camp. All ate of the spiritual bread. Talking about the manna. There wasn't better manna on this side of the camp because they were more spiritual than it was on this side of the camp. There wasn't more manna showed up over here than showed up over there. No, what Paul is saying is every one of the nation of Israel experienced the exact same spiritual blessings and workings of God in their life. And you're like, man, Paul just reiterating this point and going on and on. Yeah, and there's one more. He said, all drank of the spiritual um, drink of the rock. For they all drank of that spiritual rock which followed them. And that rock was Christ. 
When Moses struck, struck the rocks, the water came, and all were partakers of the blessings of God. It wasn't that some were excluded because, you know what, we know you're going to mess up, so you're not going to get to drink of any of this water. No, all of them were there. They all experienced the same exact blessings of God in their life. But did that produce equal results in their lives? Paul writes in verse number 5, But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Many of the children of Israel did not make it to the promised land. In fact, of the original generation that left, anyone over 20, only two, Joshua and Caleb. Moses himself did not make it to the promised land. Of that entire nation, except for those under the age of 20, none of them made it to the promised land. All of them experienced the exact same blessings of God. All of them experienced the exact same provision of God. But many of them, in fact, we could say most of them, did not get to experience the final rest of God, did not get to experience God bringing them into the land of Canaan because they were overthrown in the wilderness. God was not pleased with them. Verse number five, with many of them, God was not, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. How many times do we read in the Bible of God's wrath being kindled against the children of Israel? Many, many, many times because they did this here and they murmured and we're going to go through, Paul writes a list here for us. God was displeased with them because they refused to listen and obey God's word and they were overthrown in the wilderness. It talks, the, the word gives the idea of just being scattered out, just thrown out all over the place. And even though all of them had the exact same spiritual blessings, this is, Paul is trying to drive this home, many of them did not experience a fruitful end. Many of them were overthrown in the wilderness. And if today we might be asking the same questions as the Corinthians. Why do I care about the nation of Israel? I'm a Gentile. I'm not even a Jew who cares about what happened in the wilderness 2,000 or however many thousands of years ago. That has absolutely no bearing on my life. Why is Paul going on and on and on and on about people I'm not even related to? Why is Paul going on and on about this? What, what is the big point here? Why is God taking time to record in His Word for us today... This history lesson, because that's what it was, it was a history lesson. And it was put here for a warning for the Corinthian believers and for the believers of all time. Verse number 6, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. And then Paul begins to go down a list. Paul reminded the Christian believers that the purpose of this writing was a warning directly to them, and therefore it is a warning directly to us today. The Corinthian believers were not to lust as the children of Israel had lusted. This is when they lusted for meat, 
or evil things and complained about how they had it better in Egypt. They began thinking about how when they were under the bondage of Pharaoh and under the bondage of as slaves and unable to inherit the land that God had promised them, they were now they're in the wilderness. They had God leading them Everywhere they went, they had a covenant with God. They were there to God was meeting with them and God was speaking to them and they were God's people. God had pulled them out of that bondage. And yet all they could think about at this time was I had it so much better back in Egypt. Man, why are we here? God, we just have bread. We don't even have any meat. I want some meat. And they began to desire this thing and lust after it. But how often do we, even today, as Christians, spend our time longing for things that we had when we were in sin, that we had when we were under the bondage of sin, when we were not free to live as Christ, when we did not have the redemption of Christ, and there was, there's things that sometimes can catch our eye or catch our mind, and we look back and we say, man, I really want one of those, and we can begin to desire some of those things, whatever it is, whether it's friends, whether it's whatever, you fill in the blank there. We can be, Paul's warning the Corinthian believers that they can lust. While they're not going to lust after meat because they're not in the wilderness, they can have the exact same heart attitude as the children of Israel. Psalms 106 gives a commentary about this. He says, and he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. They lusted after evil things and they were destroyed by their own sinful desires. That's how some of them displeased God and were overthrown in the wilderness. Then Paul goes on and he says, Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. This is speaking about when they were at Mount Sinai and they had just heard God Himself speak the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. And just days after that, the nation of Israel, not all of them, but many of them, are gathered around a golden calf that they had made with their hands and they're worshiping a golden calf and in licentious worship days after hearing God Himself speak from the mountain. They could still see the smoke and the fire on the mountain as they were dancing around this golden calf. And the Corinthians were struggling themselves with giving up their culture of idolatry. In their Gentile culture, it was a massive part of their city. They had temples upon temples upon temples with all of, and it was just part of their culture to go in and partake in these feasts. They would be invited into these idolatrous feasts. And Moses, or Paul, I keep saying Moses, I'm sorry. Paul was writing these Corinthian believers and saying that children of Israel, they're there for a warning so you don't commit these same sins. And we often struggle with giving up the quote-unquote cultural practices of our day. And how the world says, if you're going to fit in, if you're going to succeed, you need to be doing this. And you need to be seeking this. When rather what we need to be doing is seeking God and serving God and not allowing the world to dictate what we're going to be doing with our lives. 
God's word is final, and if we choose, when we choose idolatry, when we choose to serve something other than God, God's judgment will fall. Paul continues, he says, the Corinthian believers were not to commit fornication. The children of Israel committed fornication with the women of Moab. This was just after the time with Balaam. And Balaam counseled the king of Moab to send people, um, send his the women in and commit all kinds of sin in the worship of their false gods. And Paul writes, 23,000 of them died in one day. The city of Corinth, this was something that the Corinthian believers could have understood. The city, like I said, with the temples was associated a very, very licentious lifestyle. And the Corinthian believers were constantly um, exposed to this type of sin and constantly exposed to immorality. And let me say today, in our world today, we are constantly exposed through the Internet, through just the way dress fashions through the way people talk when we hear co-workers talking, when we hear, sadly, even teenagers and young kids talking on the streets, we're exposed constantly to a world of immorality and a culture that is committing itself to a way that is against God in a very immoral lifestyle. And Paul is warning these Corinthian believers that God seriously dealt with each one of these sins. Each one of these sins in the nation of Israel, they, once again, they all had the exact same spiritual blessings and the spiritual workings of God. But many of them were overthrown because they fell to one of the sins in this list. The Corinthian believers, as we keep going through, the Corinthian believers were not to tempt God. In verse number 9, neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of servants. In that time, um, Brother Sam was here several, several years ago, or several, several, about five years ago, and he preached an amazing message out of this passage about, many of you might remember, about how the children of Israel tempted God, and God sent the fiery serpents in. And what was going on is they had become discouraged By the way, they had become, the way was hard, and they were depressed, and they began to take their eyes off God, and they began to blame God for the circumstances that were around them, and they began to tempt God and say, God, why did you bring us here? You brought us here just to, you brought us here just to kill us in the wilderness, and they began to doubt the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And God sent fiery serpents into them, and many, many people died in the wilderness because of the sin of tempting Christ. And Paul's telling the Corinthian believers, you need to watch that you don't tempt Christ because these were written for warnings and examples. The Corinthians were beginning to experience hard times as persecution was beginning to come up. And it would be easy for them to begin to doubt God and to doubt the faithfulness and the goodness of God as times got harder and as things got leaner. But what we need to realize even today as we are looking at situations that are not good, whether in the political, whether in the economical, that is not our job to hold God accountable, but rather we need to simply trust God. God, because God is good and we need, we cannot tempt Christ. We cannot turn our back on the things of God because we are going to experience 
God's judgment. And there was one more thing they said the Corinthian believers were not to murmur as the children of Israel murmured in and were destroyed of the destroyer. All through the wilderness, we hear of the murmurings and the grumblings of the children of Israel and how we don't have water here. Now, it was a necessity, but they were, t- they were complaining to God that God was not taking care of them. They were saying, you're not doing us right out here in the wilderness. Even though you freed us from slavery in Egypt, even though you brought us out by a strong hand, even though we have not missed a meal out here in the wilderness, even though while we may be thirsty, nobody's died of thirst out here in the wilderness. Yet, God, you're not doing what we think you should do. And they begin to grumble. They grumbled against the leadership God put in their lives are like, we don't think you're anything special, Moses, even though God personally called you and brought you here and did everything so that he could use you to bring you, bring us up out of Egypt. We don't think you're anything special. And they would grumble and they would complain about everything that happened. And Paul's telling the Corinthian believers, don't you be guilty of the same sin. God hates to hear murmuring in his church. But so often, I know in my life, we find ourselves, I find myself grumbling about little things that don't even matter. But here I am having a bad attitude and complaining and fussing against God because I don't like how things turned out. I don't like this circumstance or whatever's going on. I think we all can find ourselves guilty of that at one time. But Paul was going through all these failings of the nation of Israel. And he was saying, you don't do the same. You better be careful. You're not doing the same thing. But he would. Why was he doing that and going through through the nation of Israel, the history of the nation of Israel in the wilderness for these Gentile and Jewish believers thousands of years later? Paul commanded the Corinthian believers to heed the warnings of the examples God had placed in his word. These things happen for in samples it's the same word, the same word is used as an imprint or of a stamp. Thomas uses the exact same word when he speaks about the print in the nail of nails of Jesus' hands. I want to put my hand in the print. It's examples. It's the exact same word. And what it's talking about is God has placed some imprints or some warnings. You ever seen something stamped on something? God has stamped a warning in His Word by recording the nation of Israel for all believers for all time. There's warning signs so often as you're driving down the road, you see a sign. Curve, sharp curve here. Slow down. Or we see the famous sign. Speed limit. Photo enforced. That's, that's a great warning sign. I appreciate those. But we see these warning signs. Or bridge, bridges may ice. Before the road. Now, when it's July, we look at those signs and we laugh. But when it's January and you're not paying attention and you hit the ice on that bridge, you're going to wish you'd paid attention to the sign that was on the bridge. I remember when I first got my license, I was driving commercial um, for AutoZone in Oklahoma City. That meant the mechanic would call up the store I'd run to the shelf, grab a part, hop in the car and drive to their mechanic shop and drop off the part they would need. Well, it was February and it just snowed. And 
we'd had uh, one, somebody had rammed one of our cars, so we had a brand new rental car, a 2015 Chevy Cruze. It was, it was a very nice car to drive. And the commercial manager was like, don't you dare mess up this car, Andrew. Don't you dare mess up. He was, he was trying to put fear into me. But I explained to him how I was from New York. And I was above, because I knew, above Oklahoma drivers, because I was experienced with snow. And I knew how to drive in snow, even though I had never driven in snow before. So, lo and behold, I get in the car, and I'm driving. And I am very thankful to this day that it was a 2015 and not a 2001 because I, I came up, I was driving, no problems. The snow was melting and it was, but I came up to this one stop sign and somebody stopped short in front of me. And the first rule is when you are on slick service is do not slam on the brakes. And I knew that rule. I knew that rule. I knew that rule. I could quote it to you in my sleep. But what did I do? I slammed on the brakes. Now, thank the Lord that the car had anti-lock brakes and, I, and the wheels continued to roll and I did not have an accident. But the warnings that I had been given by my dad and other drivers needed to be heeded by me and taken warning because it doesn't matter how much I think I know them or how much I think I'm a better driver because I have more experience. If I do not heed the warnings... I am going to get in an accident. And Paul is writing the Corinthian believers here. If you do not heed the warnings that are in God's word, you're going to end up with a shipwrecked life. Paul says, I am capable of ending up with a shipwrecked life. The children of Israel, even though they all have the exact same spiritual blessings and spiritual workings of God, many of them, most of them, did not make it to the promised land because they committed one of these sins. They fell to one of these temptations in the wilderness. And Paul's saying, hey, Corinthian believers, I know you're not in the wilderness, but you better pay attention to the warnings, to the imprints, to the stamps God has placed in his word. You better pay attention. They're here for our warning. Why was Paul so concerned that the that he about the Corinthian believers that he gave them the history of the children of Israel. Corinthian believers live in a completely different time than the children of Israel. It's because the Corinthian believers were susceptible to the same temptations that the children of Israel fell. Paul writes in verse number 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth Take heed lest he fall. Take heed. It has the idea of being watchful. The word, I love the way our King James translators translate it. Take heed. Pay attention. Be on guard. Because of the failures of the children of Israel, you had better be on guard. You had, if you think that you're above falling, you had better be doubly on guard. You, the worst place to be if you're working in a construction zone or working on something dangerous is to be overconfident is to be over sure of yourself how many people have died 
because they were too sure of their ability to be able to handle whatever danger situation came up when they were driving way over the speed limit or whatever the situation is. And Paul's saying spiritual overconfidence in yourself is suicide. Wherefore, pay attention, be on guard, be alert, lest you fall. Because there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. What Paul is telling the Corinthian believers here is that they are capable of having the exact same failures as the children of Israel had back then. There's no new temptation that's going to take you. It's the same exact While it may have a different package, it's the same basic temptations that you're going to deal with, that people dealt with thousands of years ago, because the nature of man has not changed. You're not different from someone. You're not a super Christian. You and I are not super Christians. The Corinthian believers, if anybody should have had an ability to not fall to temptation, it should have been the children of Israel, where all of them had the exact same spiritual blessings. They saw the miraculous workings of God. They walked through the Red Sea. They saw the presence of God on Mount Sinai and the entire mountain quaking and flames and smoke coming up. And yet, how many of them failed to reach the promised land? And Paul's telling the Corinthian believers, hey, pay attention because you are not above making the exact same mistakes that the children of Israel made. We all have the same natural bend that all past men have had, all past humankind have had. We have the same bend towards the same common temptations. We are all capable of making the exact same mistakes. History repeats itself. If Paul was concerned about shipwrecking his life, how concerned do you think we should be? Paul wanted to warn the Corinthian believers of that day and the believers of Open Door Bible Baptist Church of today that we are all tempted with the same temptations and are just as capable of falling as anyone else. But Paul did not leave us hopeless. He reminds us that God is faithful to provide a way to bear the temptations and escape shipwreck. Let's look at verse number 13 again. But God is, there is no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. God will not allow you to be tempted above what you can bear. The temptation will always be too strong, it says, and you cannot resist it. If you do not have the spirit of God living in your life, that is a true statement. If you are not saved today, the temptation is too strong and you will not be able to overcome it. But if you are saved, you have God living inside you and you do not have to fall to the same temptations that that other people in the past have done. You do not have to become a statistic. The reason if, if it was hopeless and there was no way you could resist the temptations that came to your life, why did God put a warning in his word? He put a warning in his word to challenge you to be on your guard because there is a way to escape. But notice the Bible says, bear it 
not remove temptations. If we are in this flesh, we are going to deal with temptations. And God has not promised to remove the temptations from our life. Rather, God has promised a way of escape so that we can bear it. Until we leave this flesh, we will deal with the sin nature. But God promises to allow us to bear it. With every temptation that comes, God will make a way to escape. While it wasn't necessarily used at this time, this word was not used at this time exactly, but it carries the idea of a harbor where during a storm a ship could go and it could find safety from the storm that was going on. And God is saying, I am going to make a way that even though the temptation is raging, even though you and I are just as capable of falling, falling as anybody else, if you will listen to God's warning and follow God's path, God will provide a place for you where you can be able to weather that temptation and not make shipwreck with your life. When you take God's escape, only then will you be able to bear the temptations. If you refuse to follow God's way of escape, you will end up facing God's judgment because you will fail in the temptation. You will end up like the children of Israel, missing the rest of God. You see, Paul warned the Corinthian believers about the overthrow in the wilderness of the children of Israel because if they did not take heed... If they did not pay attention and follow God's plan of escape, they would fall by the exact same temptations that the children of Israel fell by. There's no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. And Paul's saying, these were written here for a warning. They're a warning, you better take heed. I'm giving you a history lesson, so you don't repeat the history. And he gives one final command. Believers should flee from idolatry and the temptation of the world. There is no such thing as a super Christian. There is no such thing as having a superior knowledge where you can stand above a temptation. Where you can stand above when the temptations of the world come on your life and you begin to desire the things of this world. The thing you need to do is flee. God's way of escape. Get out of there. Paul said, wherefore, my beloved, flee from Idolatry. The best temptations, the best defense is to run. If you hang around the pig pen, you're going to smell like a pig. Just because you are saved does not mean you are not capable of shipwrecking your life. You and I have been warned tonight by the words of God that the overthrow of the children of Israel, we've been warned about that, because if we do not take heed and guard our lives and follow God's escape route, we will fall by the exact same temptations that the children of Israel fell by. So tonight, pay attention and follow God's warning sign. Pay attention and follow God's warning signs in his word. God has given us his, this book for a reason. That's why we need to read it. We need to study it. Because it isn't like we're a generation that has never faced temptation before like we have. There's such greater temptations today. No, there's no temptation taking you but such as common to man. But God is faithful who will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it.
You're, we are not above falling to the exact same temptations that the children of Israel did. And how many of them missed going to the promised land because they would not submit themselves to the things of God and obey God. They murmured. They committed fornication. They were idolaters. They grumbled. They tempted Christ. Even though they all had had the exact same spiritual blessings and the spiritual workings of God in their lives. You are susceptible to any sin known to man. So pay attention and follow God's warning sign. If you desire to escape the temptation you are currently facing, and we all are facing the temptations of the world, we are all going through the trials. None of us are exempt from the possibility of making shipwreck with our lives. Realize you're not the only one who's ever faced this, and God has made a way to escape so you can bear it. Please, don't ignore the warnings that are clearly written in the Word of God. If you choose to sin, you will face the consequences and the judgment of God. And don't overestimate your ability to withstand temptation. You and I have been warned about the overthrow of the children of Israel because if we do not take heed, if we are not on our guard, we do not follow God's escape route, we will end up falling by the exact same temptations that the children of Israel fell by. If history repeats itself and the unexpected always happens, how incapable must man be of learning from experience? And how many times have we allowed sin, the same sin, and say, it won't, it won't affect me. I'm above this. I'm, talking to my, I'm preaching to myself. This is written to all Christians. All Christians. Pay attention and follow God's warning signs. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you tonight and we thank you for your word and how clear it is, Lord. And I just pray that you would work in our lives, Lord, and that we would follow your warning signs and we would follow what your word says, Lord, and that we would not become shipwreck or fall as people have fallen before, Lord, that we would not repeat history, that we would allow your grace to sustain us, Lord. And in Jesus' name I pray. And as I finish, as we continue to pray, if you want to come forward, just pray in your seat.